You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Football Friday here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and every day. We're almost every day. We're talking Penn State football right here. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, contributed to AthlonSports.com. Happy to be with you here, as always, especially today, because we are giving our final thoughts on this weekend's big matchup between Penn State and Ohio State. Game of the year, college football playoff implications still on the line, I think, as far as Penn State is concerned. We'll get into all of that in today's episode. But first, I want to make sure you never miss a single episode because once they go live, they hit all the major podcasting apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, whatever you're using today to listen to this podcast, make sure you subscribe and then leave a rating and a review. It'll really help us out as we continue to grow this show. We want to make something that you enjoy listening to, but also sharing with your friends and your family, listening on those car rides, whatever the case may be. We want to make sure you subscribe, rate, review, share this episode with your friends. And you can also reach out to us in a variety of ways on our social media platforms. We are using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Now that's enough out of me. Let's go ahead and get today's episode underway because we've got some good stuff to get into. So we do have a lot of stuff to get into and some thoughts on this weekend's game between Penn State and Ohio State. Believe me, I've got some things I want to say and things I want to get off my chest a little bit. But I want to start today's episode first by apologizing for not having an episode out for you guys on Thursday. Same situation as we had last week where we had to skip the Thursday episode. We try to make it up to you later in the weekend with a post-game stream for you. But it was just another crazy week. And if you didn't notice, I was on a bunch of podcasts yesterday anyway. So hopefully you got a chance to hear what I had to say Uh, Um, mostly some stuff about the Penn State-Ohio State game. I was over on Locked On Big Ten. I did the Locked On College Football Podcast, as I do every Thursday, so make sure you check that out. Uh, And, of course, I was doing a guest appearance on a couple of other podcasts, some Ohio State podcasts, some radio interviews. So the last couple of days were really busy. I also had my writing assignments I had to get done, too. So, unfortunately, I had to take a break from this podcast for Thursday. But that's okay because I'm bringing all the energy and enthusiasm that I would have had yesterday. I'm cramming it into this episode today. So hopefully you're going to get your fix. And, of course, there's so many things going on right now. And I want to make sure that we touch on some of the things that are happening with the future of Penn State football beyond this weekend's game against Ohio State. And the Ohio State game usually will be one of the big recruiting attractions that James Franklin can rely on, bringing in a massive amount of recruits for the biggest home game of the year. And every other year, that is Ohio State. Uh, The other years, it'll be Michigan. But those are the two biggest games on the home schedule every year because they alternate uh, the home and away games between Ohio State and Michigan. So you get Ohio State at home, you get Michigan at home on a rotating basis. And that is typically going to be your whiteout game, the biggest crowd environment that you want to sell to your recruits. And unfortunately, that's not going to be the case this year, of course, as we all know. But it is still a big week as far as recruiting is concerned. Now, Penn State on Thursday actually received some good news for the class of 2022. So we're looking a little bit further ahead down the line, but Penn State did get a commitment from a four-star wide receiver right from here in Pennsylvania for silencing all those people that are so concerned about the state of recruiting in the state of Pennsylvania. Penn State picks up a four-star wide receiver commitment from Anthony Ivey. He's the eighth overall a player in Pennsylvania, according to 24-7 Sports, and he's the 20th top wide receiver in the nation, according to the same uh, prospect rankings for the class of 2022. Now, a couple things. 
I don't really know much about him <laughs> other than the headlines and the name and, and the fact that he's from Pennsylvania. So that's all good as far as I'm concerned. You get a four-star wide receiver on the board. Awesome news because we're sitting here in the 2020 season trying to figure out exactly what the future of this wide receiver position is. Still think there's some skill and some potential there, but we need to see that development underway. Now you got a four-star wide receiver down the line coming in in 2022. That's all well and good. The biggest question, of course, is how solid is that commitment going to be? <laughs> I'm not trying to be snarky or anything, but we all know how recruiting works. A kid in the class of 2022 could very well change his commitment as many as eight or nine times. I'm not saying that's going to be the case here at Anthony Ivy. I wish him all the best of luck throughout the remainder of his high school career. And we look forward to seeing what he does at Penn State in the years to come once he gets to that point. And again, uh, it's always good news to get a recruitment uh, commitment right before the one of the biggest games of the year. And like I said, this is typically the time of the year, well, as far as the schedule is concerned, when Penn State is hoping to cash in on some of the recruiting hype that comes with a big game atmosphere that isn't quite as big game atmosphere this year because of everything going on, but it's still one of the, the main focal points on the schedule. So always good to see that kind of stuff happen. And of course, who knows what more we could potentially see as far as recruiting is concerned uh, in the coming days, because uh, this could be a big weekend for Penn State. And I think one of the things that Ohio State likes to do is crash the party. You know, Ohio State likes taking the win in Happy Valley in front of all Penn State's recruits. And that's one of the, the fun things about recruiting as well, because you go into an opposing team stadium and you put on a show in front of all of their recruits, uh, many of which you're probably trying to recruit as well. And of course, this is uh, not going to be the same uh, typical situation that we see when this matchup is played, but uh, you know it, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the rest of the weekend unfolds. I've got a quick thought on uh, James Franklin that I want to get off my chest because it's been kind of been sitting with me the last few days. I've seen some chatter on Twitter. I've been asked about it a little bit in recent weeks, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the next segment because I also want to transition to talking a little bit about the, the current state of this Penn State-Ohio State game. And of course, later on in this uh, episode, we will have our usual Football Friday rundown of all the stuff going on in the Big Ten and, of course, the Top 25. We'll blitz through that stuff real quick quickly in today's podcast as I'm putting this all together. So as I said earlier in this podcast, this has been a really busy week for me. I'm getting up at 3.30 a.m., going to my day job for nine hours, coming home, doing a podcast, doing some writing assignments, doing a guest spot on another podcast, doing some radio interviews. And there are times during the day when I'm starting to feel like I'm hitting a wall and I need a little pick-me-up. Well, fortunately, that's where Built Go comes into play. These are from the same people that bring you the great Built Bars. BuiltGo is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it's natural. BuiltGo combines energy gel with collagen protein. BuiltGo is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, such as beta alanine, B3, honey, and of course, a kick of caffeine. And what's great is they come in these small one and a half ounce packages. I throw them in my lunchbox when I go into work, have it on my lunch break or maybe on a break time. It's no wonder my coworkers wonder in the afternoon how I keep the energy going. It's because I'm having the built go. It is the perfect solution to get that little extra kick and get you through the rest of your day. If you want to check them out for yourself, I highly advise you do so. Make sure you visit builtgo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Once again, use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. 
Okay, so I am looking for ways to always stay on the go during a very busy week, but you know what? When it gets to the weekend, when it gets to Friday afternoon, I get home from work and it's time for college football all day on Saturday, you know I just want to chill. And the best way to chill is with the beer that is meant to chill, and that, of course, is Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Again, it's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, not the baseball team. Although Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport at any time just to drink a beer. So no matter what team you root for, whether it's Penn State or not, have a Coors Light as you sit back, relax, and chill out this weekend. And if you're running low on Coors Light in your fridge, don't worry. All you have to do is go to get.coorslight.com and you can get the Coors Light in a brand new look delivered straight to your door. Hey, and it even has contactless delivery. How awesome is that? You can just go to getcoorslight.com and you can have Coors Light delivered to you all without changing out of your pajamas. Yeah, that's right. I know you're doing it. Anyway, always remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, I have a few thoughts on this weekend's game between Penn State and Ohio State. I'm going to get to it in just a second. But first, I got to get this off my chest. And I feel like I say this every now and then. I'm probably a little bit of a James Franklin uh, apologist to a certain degree. I'm not saying he is a perfect coach, and nobody is. But he And he does have his flaws. I'm not saying that he doesn't. And I'm critical of things that happen under James Franklin's watch when need be. And I feel like there were plenty of reasons for criticism of how the game went down on Saturday on the road against Indiana, and not just because they lost to Indiana the way that they did. I don't think that that's necessarily James Franklin's responsibility to uphold how the video replay process has gone down, but we're not going to get back into that. What I do think that is fair to criticize is the way that the game is managed on a uh, yearly basis. It feels like a recurring theme. When Penn State loses, the game management comes back into question. Maybe sometimes the game preparedness comes into question. I do think that it's fair to be concerned about how Penn State was prepared to take on Indiana, although I do think that there were some factors in play that really put Penn State in a bad spot. First and foremost, as I've said before, the fact that they had an offseason that was certainly far from uh, the typical (laughs) offseason regimen, that certainly was not going to play in Penn State's favor because you have a new offensive coordinator, new wide receivers coach, new uh, offensive line coach. You have a lot of new faces on the coaching staff for a team that has some offensive potential but still needs to find some role players in its key positions, most notably the wide receiver position. And it doesn't help that the running back situation changed drastically from where it was probably a week ago before the game started when we found out that Journey Brown potentially could be out for the season. And then just after the game started in Indiana, we find out that Noah King goes into the locker room and he doesn't get a chance to play. And now he's done for the year. So Penn State went into that game against Indiana with some questions at the wide receiver position and then found out that there was going to be some potential questions at the running back position. I don't think you can really hold that against James Franklin. I know some people will because it means, oh, well, you didn't recruit the same guys that you should have in order to not skip a beat. Well, you know, that's not always the most logical or the most uh, feasible plan as much as you would like to admit it or, or wish for it to be. But I do think that uh, the, the criticism that James Franklin gets sometimes when things don't go well for Penn State, I think goes a little bit overboard. Uh, I've saw plenty of people on Twitter saying that, you know, James Franklin, hot seat, all that nonsense. And I, I was so happy to see uh, Bruce Feldman, 
who covers college football, writes books about college football. He's over on The Athletic. You see him on Fox Sports. He, he's one of the, the good minds out there, I think, when it comes to college football. And I was very happy when I listened to an episode of the Audible podcast with uh, Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. Uh, and and Bruce Feldman went to bat for James Franklin, and he pointed out some of the same things that I've been saying time and time again. It's just always nice to hear someone else say the same things. You know, keep in mind, James Franklin took over a Penn State program that was in complete disarray. Uh, many people had written it off. Yes, Bill O'Brien did a, a fantastic job in trying to keep that program afloat, and I commend him so much for that. I don't know if he gets enough credit for that, but I do think that James Franklin still was taking over a program that was in the midst of being sanctioned by the NCAA, massive scholarship reductions, and uh, you didn't know exactly what the future held for Penn State, but you knew that James Franklin was going to bring some energy, and he certainly did that. And the recruiting has been pretty darn good over the course of James Franklin's tenure. And that's why you have some talented players. That's why you have a team that is capable of uh, winning a Big Ten championship one year, going to and winning a Fiesta Bowl against a very good Pac-12 program in Washington, going to the Cotton Bowl and beating a very good Memphis team. I know a lot of people are going to overlook that because it was Memphis and not a Power 5 conference opponent. But you know what? The fact is, James Franklin has a victory in the Cotton Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, an appearance in the Rose Bowl. Should have won the Rose Bowl. I'll give you that one. But anyway, I do think that that, that is a pretty good profile for any coach. Yeah, yeah. the big question is, uh, can James Franklin get Penn State into the college football playoff? Well, he could take a step forward that if he can find a way to score a major upset this weekend against Ohio State. Because let's not forget, while Penn State is certainly trying to chase Ohio State, this is a team that has played Ohio State considerably well, especially at home over the last so many years. So I do think that it would not be a shock if Penn State not only hangs with Ohio State for a while, but even scores a win. I'm not here sitting here and predicting that Penn State is going to win this Saturday. In fact, I'm predicting them to lose. I'm on record saying that. I've been on record saying that just during our schedule analysis episodes uh, over on Locked on Big Ten podcast. I have said basically all year that Penn State is probably going to lose to Ohio State. So I'm on record that of saying that. And I'm not going to back down from that. I do think that Ohio State wins this weekend. But I think that Penn State keeps it close. I think that Penn State comes out with a lot more energy than they started the game against Indiana, although they did march right down the field against Indiana. But I think it does a little bit more sustained uh, this weekend against the Buckeyes because there is still a lot at stake here for Penn State. A win against Ohio State obviously evens the record at 1-1. One and one, But all of a sudden, you've got a head-to-head tiebreaker with Ohio State. Now, yes, there are some challenges, and there's a lot of work still to be done on the schedule after this weekend's game against Ohio State. So even if you get a win against Ohio State, there's nothing that's guaranteed here because a second loss would certainly be costly because I don't think Ohio State's going to lose another game this year. Uh, and that includes that Michigan game at the end of the year. So I think that Ohio State's going to win out and then we just need to figure out what happens this weekend against Penn State. So if Penn State can find a way to get a head-to-head victory with Ohio State, then the whole narrative changes here, right? Because James Franklin does win a big game. He does win against Ohio State. He does have Penn State back in the driver's seat, really, for a Big Ten championship because I don't think Indiana is going to run the table either. Let's just uh, get that out of the way, too. So all of a sudden, and I think Indiana loses twice, so we can not have to worry about a head-to-head tiebreaker scenario uh, should things go well for Penn State this weekend. But that's the thing. you know. There's so much overreacting to a loss to start the season, and I get it, especially since you waited so long to see Penn State play a, a down of football this year. 
and then to come out and you know to lose the way that they did against Indiana they didn't look good for a while they didn't deserve to win that game even though they had plenty of chances to win it and probably should have won it and maybe in your mind they did win it but the fact is they're 0-1 and now they need to bounce back and find a way to even their record at 1-1 and it's going to be difficult because Justin Fields and this Ohio State team that's coming into Happy Valley they're really good they are a legitimate college football playoff contender. And that's what Penn State's trying to be. And I don't know if Penn State has the talent at wide receiver to do it, but they do have the talent at a tight end. I think the running game is still going to be okay. It's probably not as much of a strength as I thought it was going into last weekend's game against Indiana. But I do think that Devin Ford, Kaziah Holmes, I think the running back situation is going to prove itself to be more than adequate. I'll, I'll term it that way. Uh, it's obviously going to be pretty tough this weekend, but I do think that Penn State's running game should still be a reliable asset for the most part. Uh, and you know you've got your tight end. You still have a pretty decent offensive line, I would say. And I think Sean Clifford has some good moments. I really do. I think he's going to have some head-scratching moments too. <laughs> I think it bounces out at, at times. Uh, but I do think that Sean Clifford is more than capable and ready for the mental task of not making a mistake. You know, he, he may have a turnover. I'm not saying that he will have a 100% clean game, uh, but I do think that he's capable of playing better and making better decisions. And this is going to be a big spot for him. And I think there's a lot of pressure riding on him with the outcome of this game because, uh, you know, even if Penn State loses, if they look respectable and go head to head and take Ohio State into the fourth quarter, deep into the fourth quarter, there's still something that you can build from that. I know it's going to be very difficult to look at an 0-2 start with any kind of um, you know, rosy outlook, but I do think that it's not out of the question that Penn State can win this game. So don't get your hopes up yet. Go out and enjoy this game this weekend because it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be it's always fun to play Ohio State, even if there's no fans in the stands. It's going to be weird. And I think Ohio State does win this game. But don't be shocked if Penn State gives Ohio State a serious run here. I've got Ohio State winning this game 30 to 23. That's my official prediction. Let me know what yours is by catching me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Or also you can check out our Twitter account as well at LockedOnNittany. Share, share with us your score predictions. And don't forget, after the game, we'll go live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LockedOnNittany for our live post-game reaction stream. And then, of course, we'll also hop on Instagram when we're done with that. We do a little Instagram live session to kind of provide some more further comments. And maybe we'll find out some more information as well. So watch the game. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany throughout the game. Talk with us during the game. And then after the game, we'll go live on Twitch. And then we'll go live on Instagram after that. All using the username Locked On Nittany. Looking forward to it. Now, coming up, we will take a look at everything else that's happening around the Big Ten. And of course, our quick, brief top 25 rundown for week nine of the college football season and week two of the Big Ten season. We close out another edition of the Friday episode of Locked on Nittany Lions with my favorite segment of the week. It is our top 25 weekend rundown. Let's go. While it is week nine around the country of college football, it is week two of the Big Ten schedule and it begins tonight with Minnesota visiting Maryland down south of the Mason-Dixon line. And Maryland was absolutely horrible last week on the road against Northwestern. I didn't think there was any way Northwestern was at an 11-point favorite uh, or 11 points better than Maryland, as the spread indicated. But my goodness, they were even better than that. We'll get to Northwestern in just a moment. But Minnesota looking to bounce back after their home opening loss to Michigan, which, uh, again, we'll get to Michigan in just a second. But Michigan looked pretty good. Minnesota not looking as good as I thought they would, but I do think that they get the 
obvious bounce back game this weekend tonight in Maryland. I think Minnesota wins big down in College Park. We continue to a Saturday, Halloween, of course, October 31st. And speaking of those Michigan Wolverines, they're going to be hosting their rival, Michigan State. And my goodness, Michigan State, you lost to Rutgers last week, and now you got to go and play one of the teams that was most impressive in the first weekend of Big Ten play, the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Joe Milton, my goodness, my, what a difference a quarterback makes for Michigan. Now, of course, Josh Gaddis, former Penn State coordinator, is running the show with that Michigan offense, and things certainly got off to a great look. Good running game, good play out of Joe Milton in his first start as the Michigan Wolverines quarterback, and uh, Michigan's going to roll here. They're a 24.5-point favorite. I kind of like them to cover that easily uh, against this Michigan State team, who's not very good this year. Also at noon Eastern on Big Ten Network, you got Purdue, who looked pretty good last week against Iowa, taking on the Illinois Illini in Champaign. Purdue, a seven-point favorite. Rondell Moore did not play last weekend. I don't know if he's playing this weekend or not, uh, but I do think that Jeff Brom's going to be back, so that'll be good news for Purdue. And I do think that Purdue gets the win. I think Purdue uh, certainly looks like they're going to take some steps forward or back this season from two years ago. And I think that that was a real encouraging performance last weekend against Iowa. I like Purdue. David Bell, I think three touchdowns last week. He's going to get a couple more today or this weekend against Illinois. So we moved to 3.30 on, e, uh, oh, I'm sorry, not ESPN, but Big Ten Network, where you've got the Indiana Hoosiers, who are now number 17 in the AP Top 25 after clipping the Nittany Lions last weekend. They're taking on Rutgers. This is a battle of unbeatens. How many people saw that coming? Indiana and Rutgers in a battle of unbeatens uh, this late into October. Uh, yeah, typical uh, 2020 storyline, I think, as far as we're concerned here. But Indiana, I certainly uh, was, um, they didn't have quite the impressive performance that I thought that they would, considering that they beat Penn State. But I do think that they're going to be in for a pretty favorable matchup. I know Rutgers took advantage of 17,000 turnovers by Michigan State last weekend. Or maybe it was seven. I don't know. Give or take a few thousand. I, I do think that Rutgers certainly played like uh, Greg Schiano was coaching them again for one week. Uh, but Indiana is going to be a little bit of a different story because Indiana is a much better team than Michigan State. And I'm not just saying that because they beat Penn State last weekend. Uh, Indiana is just a better team than Michigan State. So I'm looking curious. I'm looking forward to seeing what Rutgers does as a follow-up now in their first home game under Greg Schiano uh, 2.0, I guess we can say. But I do think that Indiana gets out of Piscataway, New Jersey with the win. I don't see the spread on this one as I'm looking at my rundown right here. But I do think that Michael Penix is going to have a much better performance overall. And I don't think they're going to need quite the same flair for dramatics as they had last week to get this win. Also at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. This one's actually on ESPN. You have those Northwestern Wildcats who were well, given the fortune of getting to play Maryland in their season opener. They had to head to Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes who are looking to bounce back. I do think that you know, Iowa and Purdue played a really good game last weekend. If you, <laughs> you probably didn't get a chance to watch much of it because of the timing of it, but I, I do think that Iowa is going to be still a, a figure in that Big Ten West. And you know what? We don't know what's going to happen with this whole Wisconsin situation. So this division could be wide open. So this is a huge game, I think, as far as the Big Ten West is concerned. So if Northwestern can grab a win here against Iowa, that almost buries Iowa right before the season is just getting into the thick of things. So this is a huge game for Northwestern. I don't know if they get it, but I do like the, the anticipation for what this game could potentially mean in the Big Ten West standings. I think Iowa bounces back. I think Iowa covers the 2.5-point spread, gets it back to 1-1, one and, one, and certainly that will be a nice little rebound for them after losing last week against Purdue. 
I did mention uh, Wisconsin is not playing this weekend because of the ongoing COVID-19 situation outbreak throughout their program. Uh, of course, that means that Nebraska will not be playing uh, their home opener. Nebraska was looking to get a crack at Nebraska or Wisconsin after Graham Mertz had tested positive. Uh, that game is just not going to be played now, and there's no chance of making that game up either. So. It's a weird situation. It's unfortunate for Nebraska because I did think that they were some, showing some good things last weekend against Ohio State before Ohio State became Ohio State and just took care of that game uh, in all assets of the game. But I do think Nebraska is going to take a step forward. Well, we'll look forward to seeing when Nebraska can get back on the field. I know they tried to schedule a backup game against Chattanooga, but the Big Ten said no. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. Uh, but I do think that it's unfortunate for Nebraska. It's obviously unfortunate for Wisconsin. Hopefully everybody within the Wisconsin program continues to uh, go through this process and everybody comes out of this with a clean bill of health when all is said and done. I will recommend our fellow uh, Locked On Podcast Network brethren over on Locked On Badgers. Asher Lowe doing a great job covering this whole situation. So make sure you give them a follow and check out their podcast for ongoing coverage of everything that's happening with Wisconsin. Of course, in the Big Ten, it all leads up to 7.30 p.m. Eastern in Happy Valley. I already gave my prediction on this Penn State-Ohio State game, so I'm not going to rehash it. Instead, let's run down everything else that's happening within the top 25 this weekend around college football. We'll go in chronological order. We'll start with those noon uh, Eastern time slots. Over on ABC, you've got number one Clemson hosting Boston College. Clemson, a 29-point favorite. I think they cover it this week. Uh, they were a 40-something point le- favorite last week against Syracuse. Could not cover that. I think 29 is much more doable for Clemson. I think the, the line called up to him a little bit last week, and now Clemson's going to bounce back. Trevor Lawrence, uh, he says that he may consider returning to Clemson next year. I say, uh-uh, not going to happen. And I think he's going to have a pretty big day along with Travis Etienne uh, against Boston College. Boston College, though, is 4-2. and two. Let's not just completely dismiss them just yet, uh, but they're uh, in for a rude awakening against Clemson. Also at noon, f- number five, Georgia, visiting Kentucky. I asked my uh, Locked On College Football podcast host, co-host on Thursday, Matt Muscona, if I was crazy for thinking that Kentucky could keep this game interesting, and he flat out told me, yeah, I probably am. Uh, I-, I respect that, and uh, I- there's a reason why that, because Georgia is a 17-point favorite, and Georgia does have the best defense in the SEC. And I think that they take care of everything that Kentucky tries to throw at them. Georgia's just a much better team than Kentucky. Uh, I don't get too carried away with what Kentucky did against Tennessee a couple weeks ago because, you know, we're finding out that Tennessee's not all that. Uh, But, yeah, I think that Georgia will take care of things in Lexington, probably pull away. I think Kentucky keeps it interesting for a little bit, but I think Georgia will eventually uh, flex their muscle and pull away in that game. Also, a noon Eastern, big game in the AAC, but Cincinnati, number seven, hosting Memphis. It's a rematch of last year's American Athletic Conference championship game, and they also met in the final game of the regular season, and Memphis went 2-0 against Cincinnati in those two weeks. This is a different year, though. Memphis is still good, of course. They're not the same caliber team that they were when they played Penn State in the Cotton Bowl because they have had DeMonte Coxie uh, opted out for the rest of the season. That's a big blow to their wide receiver depth. Although they've got Calvin Austin third, and uh, he's pretty darn good too. And they've got Brady White at quarterback. He's pretty darn good too. But they're going to be up against the pretty darn good defense of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Luke Fickle doing some amazing work there with Cincinnati. Coming off a big win last week against SMU. I expected much more out of SMU. I was very impressed by what Cincinnati did on the road down in Dallas against the Mustangs last week. I think they continue going. They are the team to beat right now in the AAC and potentially the group of five. So at number seven, they may still be a little bit too high, but uh, you know, Penn State losing certainly helped Cincinnati's cause. Uh, I do think that Cincinnati gets a win against Memphis. It's going to be close, though. I think it's going to be a little tighter than uh, some people are expecting. Let's over to the Big 12, also at noon Eastern on ESPN2. Number 16, Kansas State visiting West Virginia. 
I think West Virginia is actually the favorite here, and I like West Virginia's chances here. I know Kansas State is playing some good football right now, but I, I'm curious about West Virginia. Playing at home in Morgantown, uh, they're only 2-2 two two in the Big 12, and they're probably not going to play into the Big 12 title picture yet. But Kansas State is. If Kansas State can get out of Morgantown with a win, then all of a sudden Kansas State is in almost the driver's seat to get into the Big 12 championship game, which uh, I don't know if anybody saw that one coming. But I do think that West Virginia trips them up this weekend at home. How about also at noon Eastern? There's a loaded noon Eastern time slot over on ESPNU if you get it. How about number 20, Coastal Carolina? If you haven't watched the chance yet, you got to do it. Yeah, tune in. Watch Coastal Carolina. They are a fun team. I've watched them a few times this year, including their opening game against Kansas. Saw a little bit of them a couple weeks ago on TV. And they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Georgia State. I think they take care of this. I think Coastal Carolina is clearly the team to beat in that Sunbelt Conference, I would not be uh, wincing on them right now. If you get a chance to watch Coastal Carolina, do so. I think Grayson McCall is going to be back playing quarterback, so that's always good. I know he's a favorite of uh, Dan Rubenstein over on the Solid Verbal Podcast, but he is a he is one of the engines that makes Coastal Carolina cook right now, and they're cooking right now pretty good. There's another noon Eastern game for our top 25 team. It's number 23, Iowa State visiting Kansas. Not going to dive too much into this one because uh, Iowa State's a 28.5-point favorite for a reason. Kansas stinks. Iowa State rolls big time. How about 330? Number four, Notre Dame. I still don't think they're number four, although I do think they're getting better as the season goes along. They're a little bit more respectable, and they are certainly playing themselves into position to play for an ACC championship against Clemson. They're going to get Clemson next week. So that's going to be pretty fun to watch. Right now, they got to go down to Atlanta, take care of business against Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins. And as much as I am high on Georgia Tech long-term under Jeff Collins, I think this is Notre Dame's game to lose, and I don't think they, they do it. I think Notre Dame goes down to Atlanta, takes care of business, goes home, and prepares for that big game against Clemson coming up. Notre Dame big against the Yellow Jackets down in Atlanta. We move to 4 p.m. Eastern, Texas. Visiting number six, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's the only team left in the Big 12 that has a logistic or a realistic shot at the college football playoff. I think Texas can up on. I think Texas can get the job done in Stillwater and really throw a wrench into the whole Big 12 college football playoff picture because I think it would probably eliminate the Big 12, but I, I don't like to go into those conversations, certainly not at this point in the season. But I do think that Texas, uh, unranked, 3-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the Big 12, they can play with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's got a good defense. Don't get me wrong. And uh, Chuba Hubbard, I'm still waiting for a real big bust-out game from him, although he's got some decent stats, just not the kind of stats I was anticipating this year. I think Texas gets the one up on them, and I think Texas uh, throws Oklahoma State for a loop, hands them their first loss, and goes home to celebrate. Um, yeah, I think Texas wins. And these last few games, I'm just going to breeze right through. Number 25, Boise State visiting Air Force in the Mountain West Conference. First of all, great to have the Mountain West Conference back. Love seeing Boise State and Hank Bachmeyer back. Uh, they're going to play Air Force at 6 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. I like Boise State big time against the Falcons. At 7 o'clock, you get number two, Alabama, hosting uh, Mississippi State. And uh, Alabama's a 30-and-a-half-point favorite. <laughs> I think they cover it. It's going to be a tough night from Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. Uh, also at 7.30 while Penn State is playing Ohio State, number eight, Texas A&M is going to take on Arkansas. Arkansas has been a fun team. Uh, my co-host on Locked On College Football on Thursday, Matt Muscona, says that uh, Texas A&M is a team to watch in that playoff discussion. If they get past Arkansas, very manageable schedule the rest of the way. I do think they take care of business against the Razorbacks. Uh, so look for them to go 4-1 overall with that one loss only being to Alabama. So just keep that in mind. Another game at 7.30 on SEC Network uh, alternate channels, if you get it. Number 10, Florida, hosting Missouri. I think Florida easily takes care of Missouri. 
7.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Number 22, SMU hosting Navy. I did the preview for this one on athlonsports.com. I think SMU bounces back after their loss to Cincinnati last week, unfortunately for Navy. At 8 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network. Number 15, North Carolina visiting Virginia. I think North Carolina takes care of business against Virginia. Number 24, Oklahoma on Fox, taking on Texas Tech in Lubbock. Uh, I think Oklahoma easily runs past the Red Raiders. 10, 15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. You can end your night with number 11, BYU, manhandling Western Kentucky. I don't think this one's even close. BYU is steamrolling just about everybody they play. The only team I think that's going to give them a challenge the rest of the year is probably going to be Boise State. I think they play San Diego State too. And if that's the case, I will also throw them in that category. But just get me to that BYU-Boise State game already, will you? That's all I'm asking for out of BYU. So there you go. There's your top 25 action. No, uh, outside of uh, Penn State, Ohio State, I don't think there were any games between top 25 games uh, teams this weekend. So everybody seems to be playing somebody that's on rank. That's why this section was a little bit more long-winded than it typically is. But there you go. There's your rundown for the weekend. That will be week nine of the college football season. All right, so there you go. Penn State, Ohio State this weekend, Saturday night. It's going to be fun. Make sure you tune into our live post-game stream over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LockedOnNittany. And then we'll also hop on Instagram, instagram.com slash LockedOnNittany. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. We will throw some of that all into the podcast feed for you in case you miss it. And we will be back on Monday to recap everything that does go down this weekend between Penn State and Ohio State for better or worse. We will be here for you to talk about it all on Monday and as well as anything else that may pop up over the course of the weekend. So have a great weekend, everybody. You deserve a chance to kick back, relax, chill with a Coors Light, get your built go into you so you're ready to go when it comes time for game time and have a great weekend. Stay safe. If you're going trick-or-treating, whatever the case may be, uh, stay safe with that as well, especially this time of year in 2020. I'm Kevin McGuire. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all your major podcasting platforms and don't forget to leave a rating leave a review you can follow us on all of our social media accounts locked on nittany on twitter facebook twitter uh, twitch and instagram and then you can give me a follow on twitter at kevin on cfb and don't forget to check out my work on athlonsports.com as well as my patreon at patreon.com slash kevin mcguire that's all for me guys have a great weekend i'll talk to you monday